This podcast is marketing material for a South Africa investment professional only. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining the monthly Schroeder's Global Markets Perspective podcast. My name is Philip Robotham. I'm delighted to be joined by senior emerging markets economist David Rees, fresh from the latest global asset allocation meeting, I believe. Uh, for more information on, on any of the topics discussed on this podcast, please do not hesitate to contact your usual Schroeder's representative. Uh, we're going to spend the next 10 to 15 minutes recapping what's happening in global markets since the beginning of the year, and of course, since the tragic events that have begun uh, in the Ukraine. We'll then move on to our eco- uh, economist team's risk scenarios, and from here, how these will likely impact global growth, inflation, energy markets, with particular focus on emerging markets in China. So, hello, David, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Phil. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, as I said, perhaps we can start with a brief recap on what's been going on year to date in uh, in global markets. Yeah, sure. So I think the short point is that equities have generally fallen and, and bond yields have risen uh, and the dollar has been a bit stronger. But obviously, there's been a lot of volatility within that. So we started the year with markets you know, concerned about inflation and the impact that that might have on growth and, and, and central bank policy. But of course, as you said, events have been overtaken now by what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, and really, that's kind of exacerbating certainly concerns about a stagflationary tilt in the economy, given that commodity prices are surging. Uh, and, you know, that's likely to be a tax on growth. To, to David's point, um, there is a special note to our listeners. Um, please do check our live blog, which is being regularly updated with information, views from portfolio managers, economists, data and analysis available on Schroders.com. Um, so, David, since these events in Russia and the UK began, we've witnessed pretty indiscriminate selling of global assets, uh, clearly fueled by this conflict and the heightened fears, if you just, as you just mentioned, stagflation, commodity prices, etc. How has this impacted your risk scenarios? Uh, presumably, there's been quite a lot of change since the 24th of February. Yes. Uh, I mean, it, obviously, it's not the most important job at the moment, making economic forecasts, but it, it has been a bit of a headache. Um, and when we published our new numbers uh, at the beginning of last week, I mean, essentially, our view for the global economy is that growth will be will be slower. So we marked down global GDP growth to 3.7% this year from over 4% recently. Um, and whilst we reduced growth, we, we significantly increased our forecast for inflation. So we think that global inflation will average almost 5% this year. Um, but of course, for those people who are familiar with the way that we produce our forecast, we produce a baseline forecast of the global economy and then have uh, scenarios around that. And one of the scenarios that we put in place was that the situation in the Ukraine gets worse um, and, that, and that it's prolonged. Um, and I I think it's fair to say that since we published the baseline forecast, that things seem to have been moving in that direction even more. So we've seen oil prices rise even further. Um, and, you know, this will add to the kind of stagflationary tilt in our forecasts already. So um, it, it, it seems like there's a clear risk that growth will be weaker than in our baseline scenario and that inflation will be higher. And, and what what impact do you think this will have on then central banks' policy changes? Um, you, we, we've we've seen previously from from your team comments on the U.S. Fed, the ECB, and the Bank of England. 
um, specifically looking at those three, have, have you got any changes to the uh, the likely policy adopted by those uh, by those three? Yes. Um, I mean, essentially, the US is reasonably far away from what's going on in Europe, obviously, geographically. Um, the economy is, is relatively closed and it's it's had its own inflation problems for quite a while now. So the domestic economy has been performing quite strongly um, and core inflation has risen along with food and energy inflation, which we've seen around the world. And if anything, what we're seeing with, with energy prices now will exacerbate those concerns about inflation, you know, in, in the world as a whole, but in particular in the US. And so, you know, we assume that because of geopolitical tensions that the Fed will tread a little bit more carefully. So if you remember, it's only a few weeks ago, the markets were pricing in a sort of 50 basis point rate hike this month. We never really subscribed to that. And then clearly in this kind of situation, that's no longer going to happen and markets have priced that out. But it does seem that when you look at the strength of the economy and, and, and the level of inflation, that you know interest rates in the US are just too low. And so the Fed is going to be hiking rates probably something like 25 basis points per quarter to a terminal rate of 2%. If things get much worse in, in Ukraine, then maybe we'll, that, that terminal rate would be dialed back a bit. But it seems pretty clear that the Fed's going to be hiking. In Europe uh, and, and the UK, obviously in the UK, rates have started to rise and markets have started to expect even that the ECB might start to increase rates. You know, the, this situation now makes it less likely that rates are going to rise significantly. So perhaps we, we dial back the rate expectations for the UK and remove any any hikes in the profile um, that, that we had for next year in Europe. It just seems unlikely that they're going to be hiking in Europe whilst there's a war on their doorstep. And then switching switching to emerging markets, obviously, is the area of your specialism. Um, we've seen... Um, emerging markets have been relatively protected given the recent market events. Can you give some more colour as to the reasons behind this? And clearly, um, the, the, the tie-in from my perspective was about the emerging market central banks have already started hiking. And, but has there been any, some other particular support that we've seen? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, if you think of a scenario where the Fed's about to start raising interest rates, there's a war in Europe, and, you know, nobody's talking about China at the moment. China's economy is weak at the moment, too. You know, usually that would be a pretty toxic cocktail for, for emerging markets. Um, but they haven't really suffered that badly. I mean, equities have fallen, but by no more really than we've seen in developed markets. Uh, and I think really the, the most noticeable area of stability has been in foreign exchange markets. I mean, the RAND, for example, today is trading at almost 15 against the dollar the Brazilian reals down at five against the dollar. You know, they've actually been doing quite well. And I think there are a couple of reasons for that. One, as you mentioned, is that most central banks in the emerging world have been busy raising interest rates in, in response to higher inflation. You know, unlike the US or you know, Europe, where they're, where they're quite slow moving um, in, in re response to higher inflation, EMs don't get that luxury and have always already raised rates quite a bit. Uh, but external positions have also been relatively good. So, you know, partly as a function of the deep recessions that we saw during the worst, worst outbreaks of the COVID around the world, um, you know, which caused growth to decline. We had recessions, imports fell, which sort of ensured that most EMs built up external surfaces. 
but that has led helped as well and, and given some insulation. So external surfaces, higher interest rates, they've really helped emerging markets. You, you briefly touched on China as well and, and, and the softening of the data that we've seen. It would, this was a topic regularly featured in our talking points uh, preceding the, um, the, the conflict uh, that we've already discussed. Um, could you elaborate on what, uh, what you're seeing from the data um, and anything more recently? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, China's pretty much had the, the opposite problem to certainly developed markets. So in developed markets, we've got high inflation because demand is very strong and it's outstripping supply. In China, growth has been driven by the supply side. So manufacturing exports taking advantage of that strong strong demand in, in kind of Western markets, developed markets. Uh, but its domestic economy has been weak, partly because of, you know, the crackdown uh, on on financing and, and speculation in the real estate market, but also the consumer has been quite weak. Now, I mean, the incoming data have been telling us for a while that, you know, manufactured export growth is probably going to slow. We had the trade data recently, which, you know, showed that export growth did slow across January and February. We think that's going to continue, uh, which will take away that key prop to growth. And so far, we aren't really seeing any convincing signs of a turnaround in the domestic economy. Certainly, the real estate market still seems pretty weak and, and consumption hasn't really picked up meaningfully. Now, the, there are some signs in leading indicators uh, that the economy will, will start to stage sort of shallow recovery later this year, kind of from, from, from the summer onwards. Um, but it is probably going to be shallow. And I thought it was interesting out of the policy meeting over the weekend that, you know, yes, the authorities signalled that policy will be a little bit more supportive uh, on the fiscal side and, and kind of on the credit side. But they aren't really pushing the boat out at the moment. So it's not as though there's a there's a really big uh, policy support coming in that's going to drive a strong recovery. And and how about international investment into the region? Is that still um, is that still in decline? Um, so, in, I mean, it, the the CGB market has, has actually benefited from the fact that it's steadily being dripped into global indices, uh, and actually Chinese bonds have performed very well. And so, you know, that that's been doing quite well on the fixed income side. Obviously, the equity market has been a bit more difficult because, you know, the regulatory changes that we've seen towards some of the major tech companies, for example, in China, uh, that that has been a bit of an issue um, and, and, and has sort of, I guess, it, well, it's weighed on equity prices and, and obviously, therefore, um, that's hit appetite. I guess if we do start to see a bit of a cyclical turnaround in China in the domestic economy, even if it's not strong, that should start to help um, some parts of the market there. And so, you know, after a rough ride, we might start to see some better performance in, in some parts of the market. Great. Thanks, David. Um, as I mentioned right at the beginning, you, you mentioned this morning when we were we had a brief chat about the Global Asset, Alloc Asset Allocation Committee that you were coming out of. Um, are there any particular... Um, nuggets that, that you could share with our listeners today um, that, that could help help uh, in, the, in our conversations with our clients? Yes, I mean, I, there's, the, there was clearly a, a discussion about um, safe haven assets and in the current environment. And, you know, and it's always difficult, isn't it, to know just 
how much worse things are going to get or even if they are going to get worse or if we're at a turning point. But I think in a kind of stagflation scenario um, and concerns about geopolitical tensions, you know, there's clearly um, there's clearly some interest in buying safe haven assets like gold um, and, and the dollar. On the fixed income side, it's a bit more difficult because, like I said, you know, on the one hand, there are concerns about the global economy, but for example, in the US, inflation is high and, and higher energy prices would exacerbate that. So it's not clear to us that something like treasuries at the moment are a particularly good hedge. So that's why we were looking at some other things like gold. Um, and then there was also discussion about trying to pick out um, some of the winners from what's going on. Obviously, you know, it, it falls to us to to kind of decipher from everything that's going on where there might be some winners in all of this. And, you know, I think it's fair to say, given what's happened with commodity prices, that uh, commodity producers that are far removed from what's going on in Eastern Europe and therefore not really affected as much by political concerns, you know, they should benefit because at the end of the day, their terms of trade are improving because their commodity exports are going up in value. And so that saw some discussion about trades for example, into Latin America, which is obviously a, an export orientated region and even South Africa could benefit from 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 that kind of uh, dynamic, too. Well, thank you very much indeed, David, uh, for your time today. Um, to our listeners, thank you for joining us. Uh, and we look forward to engaging with you further in 2022. Many thanks. The value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up, and investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance and may not be repeated. Schroeder's Investment Management Limited is an authorized financial services provider. FSP number 48998, registration number 01893220, incorporated in England and Wales. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation. Any funds, services or products mentioned might not be appropriate for all listeners. Please speak to a financial advisor if you are unsure as to the suitability of any investment.